when it comes to things that are hard to do that you need motivation for. So maybe that means exercising or eating right or doing your schoolwork or cleaning your house, right? Or not spending money. Uh, those things that need motivation, right? Um, what's the carrot? What, you, do you know that analogy of like, that? you know, they got the donkey and sorry, you guys aren't all donkeys, but we'll take it, right? You know, the, you know right in front of the horse, you put the, you had the fishing pole and you put the carrot on the end of the pole and the, the horse comes after it and is chasing the carrot in order to motivate them to move. So when, when, you, when you have these things that you want to do, but you struggle to do them, what are your carrots? What are the things that motivate you, right? What, what are those things that, um, that encourage, and, and what are those things you use to, so this week I'm trying to get harvest, right? Like to, to care about learning and online learning, right? You know, the challenge of that, right? And, and so the, the carrot for him is all, for me, at least what I found that motivates him, toys, <laughs> right? Stuff and candy or donuts, right? Those are the things that are the motivation. So, so what are yours? What are your carrots? that you either do to motivate yourself um, in order to do something. Uh, and so throw those in there. So <laughs> this is the mirror. <laughs> I know some people have said they use that mirror, right? That full body mirror, right? And they kind of like, all right, let's, let's, let's look at this, right? For Nate, it's, it's being together. That's what motivates him, right? Connection and community. What are they for you? Playing with my friends. Oh, yeah. Is that one of the Taylor boys who put that up there? Meaning that if you do your work, you get to play with your friends. If you do what's asked of you, your chores, you get to play with your friends. Right, connection. I think that's very similar to what um, Nate was talking about there. Anybody want to share? Ken put um, leaving a, a good legacy motivates him. You may want to share, what, what is the carrot that you use to motivate your kids, you use to motivate your, your partners in life, your friends in life, your, that you do to motivate? <laughs> Extra credit. Well, those are great, great kind of... Um, reminders for us this morning of this sort of motivation that's there, right? Peace of mind, isn't that true? Right, uh, that's so good. Well, again, we wanna thank you for, for being here. Beth says, hey, telling myself, it's not like I'm going to want to do this more later. Chocolate and charcuterie for Jerry Gaskell. Those are great motivators. Shane was saying, advanced procrastination. You need to have an impossible project that you want to do, but then a bunch of smaller procrastination projects that are almost as good leading up to the big one. You put off doing the big one, but you get the little ones done and it feels good. <laughs> I love it. We're gonna be talking, so my, my question here will lead into the teaching today. Um, but as we, as we begin, 
uh, we're in this, uh, we're looking at these teachings of Jesus in the series that we're in. It's called the gift of hope. And, and hope is something that um, invades our present moments, but, but hope is this thing that's also in this future. So it's this future could be 10 minutes from now, could be an hour from now, the end of the day, but it's future. And hope, is a, and hope in God is about God's goodness being in our future, about good being in our future. That's what hope is, because God is with us. So good is in our future. That's what hope is, right? That we know that good is coming. There's this song, it's called The Goodness of God. It's when we sing in the mornings and, and um, I was playing it, I don't know, Wednesday morning and Wednesday or Thursday, I don't remember which morning it was, but later in the day, and Harvest, he's not listening, he's not a part, he's, he's watching like a show on the TV and something on the iPad, right? That's how, and eating a donut and, and cinnamon sticks and all this kind of stuff. But later in the day, he begins to sing the refrain from the song, right? And the frame is, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And he's just singing it, right? Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Again and again and again. That's what hope is, right? It's that God's goodness is running after us, right? It's a gift. It's running. And so I, I pray that we could be there this morning. I, I want to look at this text and remember the goodness of God that's running after us. Um, I don't know everyone's circumstances here. I know of Dick Edgar's. Dick Edgar's a part of our community who's just entered into hospice care yesterday. Right? And him and his family usually join on Facebook with us to worship. And, and Dick knows that God's goodness is running after him. Running after him today as he's in hospice, right? Knowing that, as seeing that the end of his life is soon. To see that, that he's having a heart failure and that his lungs are feeling fluid and, and all these things, right? All these things I know I hear about them for the end of days that are terrifying for me. And, and many of you who, who aren't at maybe those closer stages of the end of life, and we kind of get scared by it, right? And scared by the idea of aging and that process. But the, that everyone who's gone through this and who know Jesus, they sing us this song. And I, and I know that Dick sings this song, right? He's lived this. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. That's what hope is. And so I can look at Dick in, in hospice, and, and know that, oh, God, your goodness is running after him. And there will come a day for Dick that he'll breathe his last. And me too, right? But God's goodness has been running after him. And, 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 and Emad had us sing that song, right? It was how great thou art. Um, and there, there are something kind of really cool about when you look at these old hymns. That a lot of, they have this refrain to them. They... they they show life, right? And they show the end. And the refrain is about Jesus returning, right? I'll shout with joy because Jesus will take me home. Right? That's the goodness of God coming after us. And so today we want to talk about the gift of hope. And um, I, want to, I want to look at a teaching of Jesus. And I want us to hear from God in it, right? But that, that, that's just sort of, the, this is what this is. This is about the goodness of God running after us. 
that we could see it, that it would encourage us, that it would fuel us, and that we would be able to share that hope with others. As we were comforted with, by God, we would be able to comfort others. So I'm glad you're with us. So Father, your goodness is running after us, and it's running after us right now. May, um, if we're the ones who are running, <laughs> and may we be caught let us be caught in the wave of your goodness to pour over us in this space, at this time, today, right now. Come, Holy Spirit, and pour out your love upon your church, upon those who have jumped on this call, either on Facebook or here, either those who have jumped on by accident, <laughs> intentionally, dreading, with so much distraction, with so much pain, with so much chaos. Come, God. Come with the gift of your hope. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, Luke chapter 12 is the text for today, um, and it's verses 13 to 34. So if you've got a, you got a phone, you want to pull that up on, you got a Bible, you want to read along, we're going to have the, the, uh, the text up here on the screen. So Shane, if you get a moment, you want to go ahead and and pop up that first part, I'll, I'll read and I'll follow you, Shane, with your transitions for this in Luke 12. So this is what we want to look at today, Luke 12, starting at verse 13. This is in the life of Jesus. Awesome. Here we go. So someone in the crowd said to him, this is Jesus, right? So Jesus is hanging out and in one of his teachings this is documented in the Gospels. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my, sur my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear? For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a powerful teaching of Jesus. Right? This, is, this is Jesus' teaching. And so here, here's what I, um, Shane, can you throw up those five questions uh, for us? Yeah, perfect, thank you. So, when you, when, so this is just a, a nuanced thing. Take a picture of these questions, right? If you're, uh, if you're reading the scriptures with other people, you're wanting to kind of hear from God, engage God, and be taught, even from this one today. This was, again, this was Luke 12, verses 13 to 34. T take this and, and, and read this scripture and, and answer these questions. And do it with others, do it in community. Um, there's a method called the Discovery Bible Study Method. It's used by missionaries all over the world of helping people to discover God. Um, and so the first question is like, hey, what did you like, right? What did you like from this? So not, uh, what did you find challenging? And from reading that text, you can say things like, oh gosh, um, sell your possessions and give to the poor, <laughs> right? Uh, um, challenging of don't worry, <laughs> right? Um, lot, uh, the, the, lot, there could be some things you found really, really challenging uh, in, in this text. Seek God's kingdom above all, right? And then it invites you after the question two to read it again, read it twice. And then answer these questions. What does it teach you about God? This is what we're going to discover. We want God to teach us about himself, right? Because God is the one who's revealing about who he is. And, and what does it also teach us about people? And that means you, right? And, and others. And this, this, this story here, this text, it teaches a ton about people. Now question number five, this is the disciple question. Right? This is the question about someone who says, yeah, Jesus, I want to I listen to you. I want to act on it. So question five is for the disciple. For the, if you're reading these scriptures with people who don't know Jesus and you're wanting, because you could do this, you can sit with somebody who's interested in Jesus and, and, and to be able to, to learn about them. And you'd, read the, just, you'd just go through the first four questions. But question five is for the person who says, Jesus is my God. Jesus is my master, my Lord, my teacher. Jesus is the one I listen to. I follow Jesus. So then we're asking the question, what does this mean? Right? How do I obey you? How do I say yes to what you're saying? And so, in essence, today, we want to be doing that. And so, but, but I want to invite you, right? The, the, these are disciple questions, right? These are questions about discovering who Jesus is. We, as a group of people, are wanting to orient ourselves towards Jesus, to listen and to turn. Jesus is our Lord, his disciples. And so I just want to put these in front of you. These are great, great questions. And so I'm not going to go through these today. 
I, I want to encourage us um, with a couple of other things. But um, I want to encourage you, right? If you, you want to meet with a group of people, you want to start a group, you want to, you want to pull in friends, if you're just asking, you know, you could take this exact scripture here and kind of just go through it and, and learn and have great discussion and great intimacy with others and discover God. So those are the five questions. But in this story, right, uh, in this narrative, in this question of Jesus, I, I think there's a number of things that Jesus is doing. But then we talked about um, the carrot, right? Because in this, Jesus is wanting to compel people. And he's wanting to compel his disciples. And he's putting a carrot out in front of them, right? This like promise. He's wanting to compel us. But he's not only wanting us to do that, that he's wanting to assure us. And so it's not only just a carrot. The, the assurance is, is like armor, right? He, he does. He wants to put a carrot saying, hey, pursue this. Go this way. I want to compel you. I want to compel you in a life of love. I want to encourage you in this way. So he is wanting to compel us. But he's also wanting to assure us. He's, uh, in Psalms, it says that the promise of God are our armor. And so God is wanting to assure us with some promises who can be armor for us so that we can step out into this life, right, with the assurances of doing what God's inviting us into, which are challenging. And so that's what I'll look at. I want to look at this hope, this hope of what Jesus is sharing and what he's trying to compel us into as his people and what he's trying to assure us about, which is all about hope. But I think that in, in essence, Jesus is, is, being is being inspired, right? Is being inspired by these questions that are being asked of him. But in the end, I think it's something that Jesus wants to compel us and he wants to assure us. And I pray that we would be able to hear um, how Jesus is wanting to move us towards life today with hope. This whole story, right? This whole narrative begins with a question. And it begins with a question from somebody in the crowd. And that question says this, Teacher, would, would you tell my brother to share the inheritance with me? Right? And in, and in essence, it's kind of, it, potentially many believe that what's being asked here of Jesus is that, you know, the inheritance typically goes to the eldest brother. And, um, and the eldest brother's job is to potentially care for everybody. But it's his. It's the eldest's brother. It's, it's his. He gets the lion's share of the inheritance, if not all of it, right? And so another brother is saying, Jesus, help in this, rule in this, help these financial, this financial dilemma turn out to be better for me. Speak into this. Give a ruling, right? Give a ruling for what, uh, for, for my good from this text. That's what he is kind of speaking into this. And, and Jesus says, how interesting, right? Because Jesus is like, this isn't my concern. Who made me a judge over this? Who made me an arbiter of this? Who, who put this before me, right? It's not to say that Jesus isn't concerned with our, with our situations. He's going to tell that he is. But when it comes to saying, Lord, let, um, let there be greater financial gain for me. Jesus is like, I don't know. Uh, he doesn't seem to be concerned with that right in this moment. Right? But then he tells a parable. As to go on to his point a little bit more. 
And he says, beware of greed. Now, Jesus is going to talk about a number of things, right? So when you think about the carrot, I want to think the stories that Jesus is saying, what's the carrot that's being held out in front of his brother? What's the carrot in this parable, right? What's compelling them for life? Because Jesus is saying, gosh, beware of greed, because don't you know that life consists more than just the, the accumulation of your stuff? Life consists more than just in your possessions and how much you have. Beware of greed. That continues to say, oh, if you don't have this or this much, you don't have life. That life's being withheld from you. So what's compelling and what's assuring? Because the world has these things that compel into that assure. So Jesus goes into, he says, hey, be, beware, right? Beware of greed. And he tells the parable, right? And, and the parable is, um, there's this rich man, and it, and, it, and it says that the ground yields in abundance. Right? The ground does it. Yields in abundance, and he doesn't even have enough room for it. And he's asking these kinds of questions. And the question that is consuming him, and whenever we read the scriptures, I, I love questions, right? So when the Bible has questions in it, I always think it's great for us to answer the questions. And the question he's asking, what should I do? What should I do with all of this? And he's asking to himself, self, what should I do with all that I have been, that the ground has yielded me, right? <laughs> it's a great question. If you're a disciple, we're saying, Lord, what should I do, right? But this man asked himself, what should I do? Self? And his self gave him this great thing. Oh, you know what you should do? Build bigger barns have more. And then the carrot. And the carrot out before him was then you can say, self, you've got many years ahead of you of good stuff. Eat, drink, and be merry. That was the carrot, right? The carrot was like this future, everything's taken care of, Right? That, that was motivating him. Ah, I can have it stored up and then this, this idea I can live how I want to in the future. I'll tell you what, I mean, that, that's still, you're going to hear people everywhere encouraging you to do this. Christians, financial planners, right? And that's it, it's bad, but it's saying, that, here it is, life. You know what? You work now, you do this, and then later you'll have what is called life. And you can live, right? That's the carrot out there in front of you. That was motivating him. This future thing called life, where he could be merry, eat, drink, rest, store up all the good that he has for himself. It's coming, but you got to provide it for yourself. So what's the assurance? What was the assurance? His carrot, his motivator, right, was this, this future thing I'm going to store up for myself. What's the assurance? The assurance was how big the barn was. The assurance was with how much he could fill up. It was a big barn. And he filled it up. Now it's his assurance that his days would be good. And Jesus calls him, and God, and like Jesus doesn't, but God does, because it's a parable, and God steps in. It's like, oh, that's not life. You missed it, right? He calls him a fool. Jesus said the fool is the one who um, has this idea, hears from God, but doesn't act on it, right? And this is, this is also a fool, right? It's like, oh, you're foolish. 
You're foolish. This doesn't end. Your, your life's going to be taken from you. And what you thought was the carrot that would compel you, and what you thought were your insurances were not it. Now who's going who's gonna to enjoy this? You're not. It's not going with you, right? So Jesus shares that um, with them, right? And this is just a beautiful story as he does so. And then he tells them, right? Let me find this where we're... And then, he's, then he says this, this is how it will be whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich for God. They're just going after themselves. And then Jesus does this really pointed thing here. He begins to speak to his disciples. Now, now, now that he's speaking to his disciples, he's encouraging them towards something. These are disciples, right? These are, these are people who say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm following you. These are people who trust in Jesus, who are learning from Jesus. They're asking these questions of what it means to obey Jesus. So Jesus turns to his disciples and he begins to teach them. And so church, we've, we've gathered here as a, as a group of people, and you may not consider yourself a disciple. And so we say, hey, come in here and hear the hope of this. Hear this invitation of Jesus. But for those of you who call yourself disciples of Jesus, listen in here to the carrot. Um, and for the armor, right? For the assurance. Listen in here for what Jesus is trying to compel us and how he's trying to assure us. Because he's speaking of great hope. And when he does, he begins to use these swords. So, so he turns to his, to his disciples. This is verse 22. Then he says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about what your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food, and your body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. And so he's telling his disciples, disciples, um, look at the natural order. Look at the birds, disciples. I care for them. God is the provider for birds, for, for this world. He is providing, and you are more valuable. So worry is not a good carrot. It's not a good compeller. Worry will compel you, right? That's, that's fear being the motivator in front of you. That's not the way of Jesus. And so I think, and so, so Christians, when, when people put hell in front of people, <laughs> that's fear being the carrot, that's jacked up, right? That's not the carrot. That's not the compel. Jesus is trying to compel us to life. And so Jesus is saying, don't worry. I've got you. He does this in, um, and he just doesn't end there, right? Because he's talking about these storerooms and it's like God cares for them and these birds don't, don't store it up. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Yeah, none of us, right? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Then 27. This, the scripture says really consider the lilies. Look at the flowers of the field. 
right? They don't labor or spin. They're not toiling, right? Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. Uh, Solomon, this is an Old Testament reference, right? This is a story about King Solomon who is said to be one of the richest kings in the, in the history of Israel, right? And surplus. He, he, he had a surplus of chariots, grain, wives, right? He had a surplus of it all. And it crumbled. But it said Solomon couldn't even dress himself in all of this. And he says, but this is how God clothes the grass with lilies. Consider the lilies and how he clothes the grass. Will he not much more clothe you? I love this um, picture of the lilies. This is how God clothes the field which is here today and thrown the fire. How much more will he clothe you? He so beautifully dresses the grass. Um, last year, uh, around Easter time, uh, we gave away lilies and I, I, I distributed them to a number of people and we gave them away. And um, This year, I have already pre-bought 320 lilies that are gonna be arriving at Genesis at the end of March. And um, I love this, and I've been, and even I was reading this, I wasn't even connecting this. Jesus like, look at the lily. Look at this beautiful flower. It talks about how God cares for us. Look how he beautifully clothes the ground and what he calls, produces up. He will care for you. I love that. So I have these lilies and we did this last year and I'm doing it again this year. And, 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 and even though you're like, oh, I would really love a lily, they're not for you. <laughs> they are for you, um, but they're for you to proclaim this good news to somebody else. Shane, do you got that question? The one about the lilies, can you fill it up there? Here's the question that I, that I want you to ask right now regarding the lilies. So who in your, like, who in my relational network, that just means among the people you know, at your work and in your neighborhood and the school maybe your kids go to or at the restaurant you work in, who in your relational network needs to know that God cares wonderfully for the lilies, right? To grow and clothe them beautifully and that he, that God, will certainly care for them. This is a way of proclaiming good news about life for, to another, right? This is a way of sharing with someone the great love of God. Someone that you know, like, gosh, they, they need to know it. They may not be able to grasp it, right? They, they may not receive it, but that's not on your part. But our part is like, is to share these with people around us. So I, I want you to ask God, who, who do you know that needs to know this? And then potentially by you giving them a lily and maybe even sharing this truth with it, 
would be a proclamation to them of God's love. So God, would you bring people to mind? Who needs to know this? That you so wonderfully care for them, that you're willing to clothe them, to grow them, and they don't have to worry. I love it. That's the question. I want you to ask that because I want to put lilies in your hands and more than one, right? I, I'll give you four, right? Um, to, to proclaim this good news to somebody, right, around, around Easter. I want to I see in the chat. Anybody, when you kind of paused there, did anybody come up to your mind? Did, did, and you don't got to share their names unless you want to. But you're like, hey, I know someone who needs to hear that, or I want to proclaim this just out of love for them, that God cares, will clothe them. Did somebody come to your mind? A neighbor, a co-worker, you know, Dan and Sharon? Who do you know needs to know this? Chris, yeah. One of my neighbors came to mind, and... Uh, they have twin boys who are four, and, and, and one of them, right, still hasn't spoken a word and has a number of hardships, right? And you parents who have gone through that within our community, you guys, you guys know that, that, that moment where you're wondering about the flourishing of your kids, right? So I'm, I'm thinking about them. Just needs to know. Look how God cares for the field. He's going to care for you. He's going to care for your sons. Right. This is a part of this, this message of hope that comes to us. Yeah, it is for us, but it's always for somebody else. Right? And so, church, I, um, this is what Jesus is awakening us to. Who are those that this is for that are in your world? Just to be messengers of good news. And you can see those who are receptive to it and continuing to share that. So that's going to be coming, Right? So I, I got 320 coming. We got to give them. We want to give them away. But I, I want to give them away with a little bit of boldness. A boldness to, right? A boldness, some risk in it to share the name of Jesus that He's alive, caring for them. That's what that's what that's what Kate was sharing with us, right? God's alive, and look at the lilies, and that springtime is that time. Look, look what's growing. God's alive. He will grow you and clothe you. This is a living God. His name is Jesus. He's alive. He will care for you. Beautiful text. So, so that was my little sidebar in here, right, reminding us about Easter, right? But Jesus is putting out there again, what's the carrot? What is Jesus compelling? What is he trying to compel his disciples with? And where is he trying to assure them? What's the armor? For them. So he talks about the clothing us, and he says um, in verse 29, do not set your heart, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after these things, and your father knows that you need them. So he says, knows these things are carrots for people, what you'll eat and drink, the good life, right? Pursuing great pleasures of food and great clothes. Don't God, God knows you need them. He'll provide those for you. Those aren't the carrot. 
He says to us, but seek his kingdom. These things will be given to you as well. Now, what that means to seek God's kingdom, that's God's rule. God's ruling in this world. When Jesus um, healed the broken and proclaimed good news, he says, this is the kingdom of God showing up right now in this world. The kingdom was God's love and care we experienced in the warming center. And that proclamation, the kingdom is, is seeing Princess and Nate and their home being a refuge for foster care, right? Um, the kingdom is, is, is knowing that people in our community are investing their lives into school districts in order to be a person of Jesus to bring um, equity and learning and food to people that are in need. The kingdom is a community cafe where they're building connection and life with marginalized people. Um, the kingdom is, is where, where people are wanting to step in in their neighborhoods and proclaim good news for people who are just barely holding on. You don't know where life is. The kingdom is when we know there's people who are struggling with depression and mental illness and addictions and people being proclaimed hope and being offered real connection and life to others, right? And receiving healing through connection with other people. Connection with Jesus. The kingdom is when uh, people are pursuing racial injustice in our world and and wanting to be advocates. He's wanting people wanting to preserve life for, for others at their end of the days or the beginning of their days. We, we have a community where we're, where we're inviting into, as a church, we're wanting to fuel missional communities where, where people are saying yes to the work that God's inviting us to, his kingdom work, where the, where the new things, the new creation which God is wanting to breathe in is being birthed and we are stepping into it with God. This work of things being made right in the name of Jesus for growth and newness of life is happening. Kingdom of God. Jesus says, hey, seek this. Pursue this, all else will be added. And so church, when I think about, okay, the carrot and the armor, I think here verse 32 is to the end is all of it here. So um, underline this, mark this, read this again and again and again. These are Jesus's words to the disciples. Do not be afraid. Fear is not the carrot, little flock. You hear that word of just gentleness, flock, meaning you're my sheep, I'm your shepherd. Be not afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's your father. You've inherited it all. Have fun, right? Here, do you remember how this started? Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And here it says, Flock, don't be afraid. Your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is it all. It's the inheritance. It's the rule of God. It's the power of God in this world. And God's saying, it's yours. Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. I'll give you life. Seek it. 
And then he says, sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide for yourself purses for yourselves that will not wear out a carrot. A treasure in heaven that will never fail a carrot. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Here's this carrot saying, ah, oh, you're going to store it for yourselves. There is a carrot. There is a reward. You're going to store it for yourselves life. The armor? Don't be afraid. God's going to give you the kingdom. Everything is yours. Your armor. He's with you. And when the fear kicks in, it says, well, what if I don't have enough? What if I haven't stored up enough? What if I choose to give too much away? What if I choose to pour my life into the things of Jesus? And what happens if I lose my job? Or what happens if the retirement thing does, it just starts, starts to crumble? What's the assurance? Well, Jesus says this, God's going to take care of you. Your Father is going to provide for you. Jesus compels us, seek the life of the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Jump into the missional endeavors that God is awakening in your heart. Move your resources towards those things and you'll gain treasure in heaven. Life. It's a life that consists of love. That's what this is about. He's going to give it to you, life in the fullest. And it consists of love. He is compelling us with a promise to pursue the gain of joy in God and the new creation. Here's this joy of God. And Jesus is assuring us, I will provide for what you need. This is your armor. I know what you need. Don't be afraid. God wants to make your life effective for the glory of God and give you everything you need to do it. So maximize your joy in God forever with abandoned. God will take care of everything you need to gain the kingdom. So I pray that you would see how Jesus is wanting to compel you today, right? To compel you towards life that is not driven by fear, worry, or greed. It consists in love and the kingdom. And that he's wanting to assure you an armor, with an armor as you step into it, right? As you step into that kingdom work onto that battlefield where you need armor to say let's say i've got you and your future so what is the lord wanting to say to you that we might say yes so i'm going to pray and then just hand this over to Nate. so jesus thank you thank you for your words and lord let your words produce the life they were intended to do today thank you for the hope the gift of your hope that says, you've got life for us today. You can take care of us today. Our future is not in jeopardy. The kingdom, you desire to give it to us. And a future, and there is a reward that is stored up as we say yes to your kingdom endeavor. There's life now. You're inviting us into it. Oh, let us hear you. Do not be afraid, little flock. 
It is your Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. So maybe we be able to hear that, Lord, and say yes to whatever sacrificial love you're inviting us into. Speak, Lord. So let us hear and obey today. Amen. We're going to um, open up so everyone can chat with one another, but just um, some words from a song called um, Garments um, as before we end our time together. It says, you give me garments of praise and fullness of joy, unending mercy, new every morning. And I saw my ashes, but you saw your dream. And I saw an orphan but you were family. And I saw my frailty, but you saw your might. And I saw my blindness, blindness, but you were the light. When I saw water, you saw the wine. I saw dead branches, but you were the vine. And I saw my weakness, but you saw your blood. I saw my failure, but you were enough. I was lost till you called, called me out by name. I was down till you picked me up again. I was wrong till your love made me right. I was dead till you sang me back to life. And now garments of praise and fullness of joy, unending mercy new every morning. As we step out this week, my prayer is that we would be reminded of the love that has come to us and that has saved us, redeemed us, and has made us whole. And that accompanying that reminder, we would experience joy. That we would be filled with hope and that that would flow in us and through us and out into the world that is longing for gospel. The world is longing for good news. And so let us be reminded of how that news came to us and then may it spill out and overflow in our words, in our actions, in our behavior this week. And so, Lord, use your church to extend your kingdom. We ask that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be a part of it. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to lift the mute so we can all chat together. Thanks for being with us this morning.